everybody, this is Richard, KB5, JBV, and welcome to Richard's Radio Adventures. Um, I've been sitting around, doing a little research, and checking into things. Thought maybe uh, this time we'll talk about the silence of the hams. The silence of the hams. Uh, let me start off with, I was licensed in the late 80s. And for about 10 years, I was gung ho radio. I was trying to work 10 meters down, and uh, I was on two meters every day. I worked in security at the time, so a lot of late night uh, stuff happened as far as radio was going on. And I eventually ended up getting off the air for a few years. Uh, went through a divorce. My ex-wife kept turning up at the club meetings. You know, that kind of stuff. It'll kind of put you off doing radio. So, I ended up getting back on the air shortly after the, the uh, shuttle disaster. You know, when the space shuttle came raining down over East Texas. And proceeded once again to go gung-ho on radio. Uh, achieved some great things during that period. Uh, assistant section manager for a second time. Um, ended up uh, getting my brass pounder medallion. Um, a lot of stuff like that. So that carried on for a while and it finally got to the point that I well, I mean, I started Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, and it all got to be too much considering the uh, time restraints I had because of my job, because of my family, that kind of stuff, and I got off there again. Well, here it is. Uh, believe it or not, 10 years after that, and I'm getting back into the radio thing once again. Now, the one thing I got back, I found when I got back on the air back in the, uh, back after the shuttle disaster, was that there was a serious lack of activity on local VHF and UHF repeaters. When I was able to get the HF rigs back up, I found that there was plenty of activity down there. In fact, uh, more activity than you could shake a stick at. And uh, I was able to work a few contests and get some QSL cards and that kind of stuff. But I found that locally, things were lacking. Um, I ended up going ahead and running for president of one of the local clubs and ended up landing that position and was there for two years and it's some of the uh, best years in amateur radio I can remember and in that time we were able to get activity up on our club repeater and because I would visit from place to place I could find that we were getting activity up on the other repeaters in the area now we're talking about good old analog two meter repeaters and 440 repeaters. But then I got off there 
uh, ended up resonant frequency went into reruns and we just kind of let things go for a while well now here it is 2010 oh sorry 2020 and I'm getting back into the swing again well, what I find is that there's not a whole lot of activity on the VHF and UHF repeaters once again now I attribute this to the fact that several digital protocols have come along and people are wanting to hop on them because they're the next best thing and I'm referring to what do they call it C4FM and DMR now quite honestly I got left holding the bag on D-Star I paid enough money for three D-Star radios to finance an excellent HF rig and now I'm holding the bag on that because it's old technology for the most part uh, I have an ID800H uh, an IC2200 with the D-Star board in it and an I, I think it's an IC91AD might be an ID81AD uh, D-Star handheld there is absolutely no way I can get my money back out of those none even though I am going to sell them to try and finance my radio hobby and try and put a little cash into Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, because I want to bring it back. So, the position we're in is I finally got my, my uh, dual bander that I ordered, finally got it in. Doesn't do any of that digital stuff, just an analog radio. But the readout is big enough for me to be able to see it. And I've been programming it up, trying to listen to some of the local repeaters. Not a lot of activity. So, I sat down and started doing me some research. And I learned quite a bit about DMR. Learned a bit about uh, C4FM or Yezu Fusion, whatever it's called now. And I got to thinking to myself, we keep improving this technology, or new technology keeps coming out. And what it does is it divides us instead of unites us. And the reason I say that is, because with even with D-Star, you could put yourself in a position where you were talking to people that you have never seen, never had a cup of coffee with, may never come in contact with in your entire life, but you're talking to them on the radio, for the most part. And I see the same thing going on with well, let's say DMR, because I've done the most research on that so far. Um, you can have 
two conversations going on on the same channel or frequency at the same time. And neither one of the conversations will mix. Now, I may be misunderstanding it a little bit. However, if you have a conversation going on over here and you can set up a call group that only has these people in it, then you're running the risk of not being able to introduce yourself to new people in the hobby, to help them along, and help them get up to speed on what we're all about. You know, the bottom line is we're here so we can be there when we are needed to communicate for those that can't communicate together. The U.S. government's got a real problem with interoperability. And a lot of times to bridge that gap, they have to have us. So, I find that being able to lock people out of your conversation, because you only want to talk to a handful of people, the fact that the two conversations can be going on on the same frequency and neither one of them hears each other, that really kind of rubs me the wrong way the way amateur radio is set up. Because instead of uniting us under a common umbrella and getting us to know each other, what ends up happening, it appears, may end up happening, turns out to be that you've got this group of four or five guys that all they ever do is talk to each other and another group of five or six guys that all they ever do is talk to each other, but they never get to know each other. So, it seems like this technology is dividing us. And we need to be able to talk to each other, because, well, I mean, when I got licensed, my first H my first VHF radio was a Yaesu 209RH. And it was an analog. Uh, it had a tone board in it, but most of the repeaters at that time did not use a CT, uh, didn't use a tone and that kind of stuff. So you could pretty much access any repeater that you uh, wanted to get on, and it wasn't a problem. Hell, my second radio was KDK, uh, what was it, 2050, 2020? It had 10 channels. Uh, you had to reach up and turn a knob to switch the offset from positive to negative. And if you wanted to use a tone, you had to open it up and use a screwdriver to trim turn a trimmer on the tone board to get the right tone that you were wanting to use. It was only 20 watts and it served me absolutely fine. I've met hundreds of people here in the DFW area and uh, hope to meet more out here in the Kaufman area.
simply by getting on the radio and talking. So not only do we have that, we have uh, hotspots available where you can sit in your living room, talk to the hotspot. It goes out on the internet and then you're able to talk to other people. The problem I have with this is one of the things that makes us, one of our strengths is the fact that for so many years we didn't didn't depend on infrastructure. And once you start sending signals down the internet, then you have an infrastructure infrastructure problem. Because there are ways to disable that internet. You know, nobody nowadays thinks much about EMPs. But a, what would it, 20 kiloton nuclear weapon detonated 50 or 100 miles over the city of Dallas, Texas, not only would kill the internet, but it would kill all the cars, it would kill the cell phones, it would kill a lot of the uh, electronic devices that we depend on today. However, those of us who have radio equipment and at one time I had a metal box under the house that was grounded that had radio equipment in it for just such an issue. Those of us that are able to get our radio equipment out will still be able to communicate, still be able to move traffic, will still be able to give, get information back and forth between the served agencies. And this whole thing is... I understand technology moves forward, but being trapped in the Stone Age has has its advantages. So, this is my rant, and I'm going to have to study on it more. What I will tell y'all is that I received my dual bander with the great big readout on it, so my old eyes are able to see it. Uh, I'm in the process of working on a hidden antenna for my apartment situation and that kind of stuff so that I'm able to get things moving along like they're supposed to. Now, another thing I wanted to approach kind of before we ended this thing out, and you know, Richard Radio Adventures... It's always a ramble cast. Is that I got to looking around. <clears throat> I decided to go check out the other clubs. And over at Resonant Frequency, even though the podcast itself is kind of on hiatus, we try to post stuff as far as the articles that will help to Elmer. The new guys, which that's the reason for Resonant Frequency is to be able... It's a new way of Elmering. That's the way I expressed it when we first started up. That's the way it is still today. We want to Elmer the new guys, give them uh, information that they need to make good choices in amateur radio service and become good amateur radio operators 
So I went down, went and did a survey of 15 clubs in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And the very first thing I should see, I would think I should see, when I'm checking these clubs out, is that on their website, there should be information on that would help the new ham radio operators. Now, I've gone down through there. I found quite a few that were absolutely no help. They had uh, minutes of meeting and club rosters and how you can join our club and we're not going to teach you nothing, but you can join our club and all that stuff. But I found, I don't think I found any in that 15 that actually had something that would Elmer the new guys along. I found one thing, I think on, uh, one of the, clubs in Fort Worth where it was a big long list of your new to amateur radio here's what kind of stuff we got and it outlined you know the VHF UHF and packet radio and that kind of stuff in a couple of paragraphs but didn't really give anybody any information on how to get started now the problem I have with that is that as amateur radio operators, we are obligated to teach the new guys coming in and help them become better operators. Now, a lot of guys put it down when the no-code license came in. And it's still a topic, even today, because... The old guys that know all the stuff, there's still a few of them out there that don't want to share it. And by not sharing it, they're diminishing the hobby. They are, for lack of a better term, bad hams. Because they're not teaching the new guys. Amateur radio has always been about bringing the new guys in, teaching the new guys, helping them to be the best operators they can be. Otherwise, they ought to be over on that service that a bunch of us came from, but nobody wants to admit. I don't have a problem admitting it. I was thinking about it the other day. My father was an amateur radio operator, and I had not gotten my license yet. Oh, yeah, this is the boring story part. Um, my father was an amateur radio operator. He had several friends that were amateur radio operators. I had not gotten my license yet. And I was operating in that service that we try not to talk about because we all feel it's an embarrassment to us. However, I learned a lot of stuff operating in that particular service. But I got a, uh, I needed, had a problem, an antenna type problem. And I couldn't afford to go out and buy an antenna for what I was doing at the time. And my father loaned me a book, 
which uh, it was an ARRL publication about antennas. And I ended up building a delta loop and using it on those frequencies and from the city of Grand Prairie, Texas, which for those of y'all who are from outside the area, Grand Prairie, Texas is about halfway in between Dallas and Fort Worth. So I was able with that Delta loop on the actual output of that particular radio, which I had not changed, jacked up, messed with, so it was 5 watts. I was able to hold consistent conversations with a gentleman who lived down at Cedar Creek Lake, which was probably 40 or so miles away on a regular basis without any problems. Now, had my father not done that for me and then he had not dangled a pretty shiny radio in front of me I probably never would have become an amateur radio operator but I have and I've done my part I've served my time uh, I've been an emergency uh, what is it official emergency station official relay station and official, uh, oh crap, what's the other one? Anyway, I've been an official observer, uh, assistant section manager. Uh, there's been so many things that have come out of me being able to take a piece of wire, cut a piece of coax so it was the right length for a ballon, hook it up, and be able to talk to get that guy 40, 50 miles away on that service that we don't talk about. So, we need to bring these guys in. I don't see how this digital is helping us one bit because we're not uniting in the hobby, we're dividing in the hobby. And dividing the hobby is not going to do us any good. I've moved back to a county where we do not have a races unit we do not have Aries in this county because the, and I used to be once upon a time, I was the emergency coordinator for this county before I moved back to Dallas County and then back out here. But we currently do not have an emergency coordinator. We do not have an Aries unit. As far as I know, we don't even have a ham club out here. Because the one ham club that I knew was out here, I cannot find anything that even indicates that they ever existed. Now, all of this is just, it's kind of hard for me to deal with. And y'all know that Richard Radio Adventures is kind of a ramble cast. But, I would like everybody within the sound of my voice to kind of put some thought to it because DMR, okay, it's a good technology. 
what is it? C4 FM with something else, Yezu Fusion or something like that. Um, even D Star. They're good, but they put us in a situation where we're removing ourselves from so many people. And we need to really pull together. Now, for those of you who might be in Kaufman County, I'm looking to put together a club. We need a club out here. We need the camaraderie. We need to be able to shake each other's hands. We need to kind of pull ourselves together and get amateur radio going out here. I tried to do this before. And unfortunately, I was so far out on the edge of the county that there wasn't a whole lot of people that were interested. I've got a guy out here who owns a repeater that's five miles away from my house. But it's locked down, so you can't get in it. There's another one on the other side, a little further off in the county, about 10 miles away, that uh, those of you who have listened to previous podcasts, whether it was Resonant Frequency or Richard's Radio Adventures, y'all know that there was one gentleman out here who was trying to make a profit off using the word and using the name Aries. And he owns that repeater and it's locked down. So inside this particular county in Texas, there's those two repeaters and you can't access them. However, what we need to do is any of you that are listening that are in Kaufman County, Texas, please contact me because I would like to try and put together some sort of radio club where we're able to socialize a little bit, meet each other face-to-face, and when the new guys come in, we're able to help guide them along to the purpose of amateur radio, which is not contesting, is not working DX. The purpose of amateur radio is to be there when we're needed to communicate for those who cannot. Now that I'm sitting here, it just dawned on me, I probably, even though I've been avoiding it, probably need to get in touch with the emergency manager in the county who I've known for years, but because of uh, the Aries unit falling apart during the great Forney tornado of, I think it was 2012, maybe 2013, it fell apart, and I haven't talked to him since, but Possibly, I need to get with him and get that straightened out, too. I feel that I have responsibilities in this situation, so I may just have to do it. I know a woman whose husband is friends with him, and yeah, anyway. But the bottom line, the thing I keep preaching is we need to not divide ourselves. We need to unite We need to keep our numbers up, and we need to Elmer the new guys. Because if we don't do these things, 
we're going to end up losing what we've got because the big companies are out there. They want our radio frequencies. Let me, for those of y'all who have started listening since then, let me tell y'all another story, and then I think we're probably going to draw to a close. We'll see. You know, Richard can talk. However, back in the 1980s, UPS, United Parcel Service, decided that they wanted frequencies in the 220 band. They wanted to use them for their package trucks and that kind of stuff. And they pressured the FCC and they pressured the government people that that were at hand and everything else and what we ended up what ended up happening is we ended a lot ended up losing a piece of the 220 band and once they got the 220 band they decided they didn't want it we didn't get it back that particular section of the 220 band is still out there and it is not allocated damage to radio and we will probably never get it back. But they will chip away at us until we don't have anything left. The upside of the cell phone deal is they started on 900. They were wanting our 900 portion of the bands. And they didn't get it. 1.2. Pretty much the same thing. Now they're up to 2.5 and 5 gig. And even though we have privileges up there, they're operating up there and it's not causing us a problem. And they'll continue to go higher. For those of you that are new to the hobby, uh, past about 1.2 gig, we pretty much have all that spectrum up there that we could play with up to 10 gigahertz. And I believe up and beyond that. I would have to check. Y'all know, I never say anything uh, that, never say anything in a way that's uh, authoritative because I always have to go check my numbers. So, I've sat here and I've rambled. We're going on about half hour now. And I should probably go ahead and turn y'all loose. But I really needed to speak to the silence of the hams. I am going to do my best to try and change things around here. Now, y'all tune in for the next one. Because we're still working on getting a hidden antenna or something semi-hidden for this apartment because right now I'm able to get, reach out about 25 miles from where I'm at and that's simply on a mag mount on a piece of steel in my kitchen but as soon as I can get a coax in here I think we're going to extend that quite a bit so y'all tune in for the next one. If y'all have any questions, comments, y'all just want to tell me I'm a jerk, 
or y'all want to tell me that I'm the greatest guy you ever heard, please, please send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or you can go over to the website. It's rfpodcast.info. rfpodcast.info. We have articles. We have, we're currently working through the original run of Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. And there are plans to add new episodes when we get to the end of the originals. Uh, We're currently posting Richard's Radio Adventures over there. And if you have comments, suggestions, whatever, uh, go ahead and leave them there. I want to hear from you guys. You are important to me because I was looking back through some of the websites that have some of our old information because I'm having to rebuild the website after losing part of it. And I'm going around the internet finding stuff that belongs to our website and getting it back on there. But... Look at the stuff that's over there. You'll find that our goal has always been to Elmer the new guys. To take in the guys that came in after the code was dropped. Because there's so many operators still out there that have a problem with that. We need you guys to learn. Because we're stronger together than we are apart. And even though there's people out there, radio operators out there, that don't understand that, there's a whole lot more that do understand. The more the merrier. It's not just a hobby. It's an adventure. And we have... uh, We have a debt to pay because we use these frequencies. So that's why we have NTS, Racy's, Aries, all this other stuff. And we need to pull together and be unified. We all need to work together. You know, all the turmoil that's going on right now because of the COVID and the aftermath of that and everything else, it doesn't matter. Because... Amateur radio operators are brothers. We always have been. We always will be. Even the sisters out there, they're brothers too. Yeah, he said it. Y'all don't believe he said it, but he said it. So, I think I've probably rambled long enough for this one. And I'm going to keep y'all posted on how things are going here. I'm actually looking at a DM, uh, what is it? DMR radio and a hotspot, and we'll see how that works out. So, if y'all have any questions or anything, hit me up on the website. We're doing our best to make it pretty for y'all. RFpodcast.info. And with that, this is Richard, KB5JBV. And I'll see y'all next time. 
we gotta go. 